I'm sharing the secrets to crafting a B2B website that drives a steady stream of qualified leads. Hey, I'm Sam Dunning, host of the Top 100 B2B Marketing Podcast Business Growth Show. And to check out my free resources, guides, podcasts, or to apply to work with me whenever you're ready, head over to samdunning.org. This episode was taken from my recent interview on the Market Mentors podcast by Matt Dodgson. I share a bunch of B2B website and SEO tips and strategies to make sure they're set up for success and fuel your team with a steady stream of demos or qualified leads. Let's dive in. So welcome to the Market Mentors podcast, Sam. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Absolute pleasure. So before we get stuck into this one, I'd love to know what your relationship is with B2B marketing. Yeah, so I've got a bit of a funny one. As I co-run a B2B website and SEO company, WebChoice, but not only am I responsible for a lot of the, the marketing that goes on, I'm also running a lot of our sales conversations. So it's super important that I actually make sure that our marketing efforts, whether that is SEO, whether that's ads, whether that's the podcast, whether that's something else, is actually driving quality prospects to our site. And then on the flip side, making sure our website then shows these prospects what they want to see, qualifies them and drives decent inbound opportunities that even myself or one of the other team members is going to be calling up. Um, So from that side, bit of a love-hate one, constantly tinkering, constantly messing around, making sure I'm driving good B2B ops for myself and the team. Um, And then I run a podcast, Business Growth Show, B2B Marketing Podcast. I'm also interviewing B2B marketing practitioners um, on all different angles of B2B marketing, whether that is people that are running marketing teams, whether it's founders, entrepreneurs, or similar. So every day is almost an education, constantly learning from people that are smarter than myself, trying to learn a bit along the way and actions what I learn. And yeah, always, always things to learn. Always realize I'm not quite as smart as I thought I was, um, but every, every day is a, a fun one. Uh, it's a complex beast, though, is B2B marketing these days. I mean, there are so many elements to it. I mean, I speak to all sorts of marketeers who, you know, it uh, talks to me about how challenging it is these days. And, you know, I'm a bit like you. There's there's constant rabbit holes all over the place. You know, you, you think of doing something and you get into it. And before you know it, you've just lost two hours of your day. So it's, uh, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Easily done, yeah. So, so we're here to obviously talk about how to build a website that sort of generates leads um, and is SEO friendly. Now, clearly they go hand in hand, but, uh, but to start off with, what would you say is the single biggest mistake that B2B companies make with their website? Yeah, so there's a ton, but probably the number one that I see so often is B2B companies essentially build, design, build out their website, code it up, to please themselves or the C-suite or their own team and essentially stroke their ego rather than building it for idle clients or target buyers. Now, most of us in B2B, whether we're a service company or maybe a SaaS or tech company, we either want our B2B site to drive inbound leads, consult requests, or a steady flow of demo requests. And ultimately, we're not the ones buying our stuff We've got a warehouse full of our products or we've got an unlimited supply of our tech. We want to ship the stuff. We want to sell the stuff. We, we're not the ones logging on and requesting demos. Our target clients, our focused buyers, our focused prospects are. So often the mistake made is that these companies are thinking, 
oh, I think this this copy or this content's going to work well, or I think this design looks really cool, or I think this is definitely going to work. Going on their own personal preferences for copy, design, format, content, rather than actually interviewing their target clients, doing proper customer research, understanding what those prospects actually care about seeing, learning, doing, taking action on, um, is probably the number one mistake. Like I said, there's a bunch of others, but that's probably the biggest one that I see. Mm. And certainly in our market, in the B2B tech market, think about uh, people think about doing customer interviews for the, for the solutions that they sell. You know, their SaaS solutions, their products, how people use it, those user interviews. But, but perhaps people don't think about doing it for the website itself. So, um, you know, they can often jump into actually, okay, let's create a site based on what I think it should, should look and, and, and do. So uh, it's interesting that you talk about that. Yeah, I was, I was going to agree with you. Really, it's uh, it's easily done. Like you say, it's it's so so common practice when companies are building out products, building out services. They will interview target customers, interview target prospects, and get that juicy intel. But for some reason, when it comes to your own website, everyone thinks they know best most of the time. <laughs> indeed, indeed, indeed. And if we're talking about creating a website that does generate leads, then we've talked about kind of the the biggest mistake that some companies make, but. But what must it have then? What are the essential parts of a of a good website that generates uh, leads? Yeah, so there's there's quite a bit that goes into it, but essentially doing the opposite that I just said then is a good starting point. So actually understanding, taking the time to understand who is or who are the target prospects that we want to drive inbound opportunities, sales conversations, demo requests from. Okay. Let's make a start by perhaps we've already got a website in place, perhaps we don't, but let's interview, I don't know, to start with five to 10 of those focused clients, whether they are existing customers, if you are an existing business or target prospects, if you've not yet started the company. Um, and let's ask them things like, well, this, this, the reason for this customer research is it's going to influence not only the design, but it's going to, going to influence the messaging, so headlines, et cetera and the content, the copy that goes within the site. So understanding things like what was the main problem that you came to us to fix? What was the impact of that problem that it had on your business? What was the root cause? Like what actually started this problem to be an issue in the first case? What was the tipping point? When this problem got so frustrating, you realized you had to actually reach out to a team like ours to get it solved. Um, and then other things like if you've got a website in place already, what do you like about our existing site? What do you feel is missing on our existing website, which is super important because that's going to give you a ton of juicy intel. Um, and also things like, is, is there something you can improve on our existing website? And then other things that can be really useful are um, how did we help you fix the issue or fix the problem you came to us with and what were the results as a result of um or the impact as a result of working with us and doing these customer interviews are actually twofold because they can give you super good intel for directing your website messaging they can actually show you the words your customers use to describe problems frustrations and their world so you can know the actual insider lingo that your target customer uses rather than guessing or using your own messaging or perhaps your own jargon that they don't use. Um, you can understand, yeah, the main, you can pick up the main problems, frustrations, issues that your customers have. You can also understand what results they care about. And the flip side of these interviews is they can actually become really good testimonial videos 
or client result videos because if you're asking things like what was the problem you had what was the impact um, of it what was the results we brought uh, we brought in and why would you recommend us so it can they can actually be twofold but what you want to do is you want to record these sessions ideally they'd be video zoom calls or similar you want to transcribe them and you want to look for patterns so what are the common problems that people raise that you fixed what was the common impact that people talk about when you're talking asking questions specifically about the website like what do you think works well what do you think is missing they might say things like oh i actually noticed that you're missing a pricing page and that normally would put me off because i want to get an idea if i can actually afford the solution or not or they might say you're missing answers to common questions that i had faqs on certain things because i wanted to know if this if your tool integrated with hubspot or salesforce but i had to actually request a, a consult with sales to know that so it's going to give you a lot of intel um, a lot of juicy golden nuggets. And like I say, you're going to understand the, the words that your customers use to describe your offer, your problem, you fix, etc. So you want to make a note of the common patterns, the common things that are said. You want to transcribe these calls and record them. And then they're going to be gold dust for things like website messaging, page headlines, FAQs, and actually using that jargon, that customer insider lingo to make sure your website is going to resonate with target prospects. So that's probably one of the first exercises you want to do to actually steer your website in the right direction make sure you're working off customer feedback and then working off kind of relevant intel that's going to help you and um, then another thing you probably want to do is look at if you have got an existing website this applies is look at the analytics on the site i.e is your homepage getting a high bounce rate or other pages getting high bounce rates well that that can mean a number of things that can mean like messaging is not resonating that can mean things like prospects aren't seeing what they want to see quickly, um, i.e. if it's your homepage, you might be missing social proof, your headline might be confusing people, you might not have a clear call to action to the next step. Um, so again, the, these things like customer calls and viewing the analytics go hand in hand for knowing what's, what's missing, mm. what's not quite working, what needs addressing. And then once you've done that research stage, then you can actually go into kind of building out the pages, cop copying content and building out the design. Um, and typically, mm. so I've, on my podcast, B2B, um, sorry, Business Growth Show, I have interviewed, I don't know, 300 or so B2B marketing execs. And from that research, most people, when they go onto a B2B website, they typically wanna see a few things. They wanna quickly check if you can actually fix their problem or help them improve their business in the way they wanna do. They wanna see proof of results, so it might be social proof, customer reviews, case studies, video reviews, CapTera reviews, GT reviews, whatever. Um, they want to check your pricing. They can check they can actually afford your offer and it fits within their budget. Um, they want to get some of their common questions answered. So understanding kind of anything around integration, whatever. What are the common questions you got on sales calls? Address those directly in your copy. And then they want an easy way to speak to sales. So whether that is booking time on a sales rep's calendar, or whatever, whatever that might be. So those are some quick wins for your site. Awesome. And important these days because buyers are doing so much research themselves. Um, for sure. You know, rather sure. than previously where we would, you know, perhaps speak to a salesperson right from the get-go to find out a little bit more about a company. Buyers these days are a little bit more informed and, you know, certainly within the B2B tech market, it's very, very competitive. There's lots of other solutions out there. And if people don't get the information they need, they're going to drop off and you're going to lose the, lose the potential sales. So uh, really important advice. <laughs> For sure.
For sure. What about metric? I mean, are there any sort of metrics? You, you touched touched a little bit on metrics. Is, is there anything that, um, you know, from a metrics point of view, you should be thinking about to to understand whether or not your site is performing well or not? Yeah, there's there's a few basic ones, right? So bounce rate on certain pages, if you've got a super high bounce rate and you are actually getting the right kind of traffic, i.e. it's not coming from a random channel that you don't actually care about, but it is coming from one of your top performing marketing channels, whether that is SEO, whether that's LinkedIn or similar. Um, so yeah, if you're getting a high bounce rate on certain pages, then you know they need work. The messaging might be ruining. You might want to do some customer interviews and do some of those questions I talked about. Session time. So if the website session times in general are super slow, um, or perhaps you've got articles that tend to get quite a lot of traffic, blog articles, but people are just going on them for a couple of seconds and jumping off. You know that the content of those isn't hitting home. It's perhaps not addressing the problems quick enough. It's not getting onto the subject quick enough or similar. Um, conversion rate, of course, probably the most important one. How much of your traffic the site is actually converting into demo requests, consult requests or similar. Um, you know, again, something's not hitting home whether it's messaging, whether it's lacking social proof, whether it's things like your website load speed. There's so many websites take quite a long time to load. So that might be addressing, or maybe the website's not giving a good experience on mobile. And a lot of your percentage of traffic is coming from a mobile device. So maybe you need to kind of take a look at your mobile view and how information content pages are laid out there. Um, so those are a few key ones. And also Traffic, so actually understanding where your, your most of your website traffic is coming from. Is it from a source that's going to be decent for your company? Um, so if you are in B2B tech, so things like maybe a lot of your traffic comes from review sites or Google paid search or SEO or LinkedIn. But if you notice a lot of it's perhaps coming from Facebook and you notice a lot of that traffic's perhaps bouncing quickly, perhaps that's not the best source for you. So there's a lot of things you want to review and a lot of these are niche down to the industry. So this is a bit of a general way of looking at it, but those are just some of the things you might want to consider. Yeah, good stuff. And what about the CMS that the website is built on then? I mean, we talked to a lot of people whose sites are built on WordPress, but you've got no-code tools like Webflow and you've got page builders like Elementor and Viva Builder and stuff like that. I mean, how important is it what the, you know, what the website is, is actually built on itself then? Yeah, I mean, we build a lot of sites on WordPress, but it's not to say it's the best in the business, right? Ultimately, it depends on what you want to do with your site and usually how comfortable your team is with the, the content management system, with the actual platform they're going to be using day to day to make updates. So if you've got a, I don't know, head of marketing and they've had five years experience in WordPress and they're super comfortable with it, and it makes sense to build your site with WordPress as the back end. Whereas if they're not really bothered and they're perhaps not that familiar with CMS, then maybe you want something that's a bit more flexible, whether that is Webflow, like a bit more of a do-it-yourself editor where you can kind of quickly make live edits. So usually it's more about understanding the person or the people that are going to be using the website on a day-to-day -day basis, understanding what do they actually want to manage daily. Are they going to be constantly adding new landing pages that need quite a lot of customization? Are they going to be wanting to tinker with certain parts. So they need a lot of analytics and quite a detailed dashboard in the back end. Um, are they going to be regular adding, regularly adding to the site? Maybe they need quite a lot of plugins they can add. So, I mean, WordPress powers the majority of the web. Um, does it mean it's the best? I mean, it's, there's a lot you can do with WordPress. The thing with WordPress sites, though, is they need a lot of maintenance because there's a lot of WordPress updates to the actual CMS itself. You need to make sure your plug plugins are updated. You need to make sure the site's secure because WordPress sites, if they're not properly maintained, can be hacked. Um, 
So it's usually it's, it's about understanding what do the marketing team or whoever's managing the website want to get out of it. Then let's build it. Let's build it on a platform that kind of suits those needs. Because these days most most mm. CMS are built to be mm. SEO friendly to a certain extent. It's more so, and a lot of the front end code can be managed and designed in a way that you need it. It's more so about understanding what do the team actually need to use as a, a daily tool. Yeah, good stuff. And you touched on it earlier in terms of a pricing page, a big talking point, certainly within our sector. Um, you get the options where the company doesn't have a pricing page. You get the option that has a pricing page, but without the price on. Mm. Uh, and then you get companies that have the pricing on. I mean, what are your thoughts in terms of B2B then? Would you recommend, and again, it obviously depends a lot of the time, but your personal opinion, would you recommend companies to, to have a pricing page? I don't think it depends. I think if you're in B2B, you should have a pricing page full stop. <laughs> Even It doesn't matter if you're a service company, a tech company, or a SaaS company. Unless you want to feed kind of poor quality leads or opportunities to your sales team, then there's no real excuse. I mean, if you're in SaaS or tech, then you're, tip, you're going to have the typical three tiers, right? You'll jump on the pricing page. Tier A, $20 a month. Tier B, $50 a month. Tier C, 100 And then enterprise, like request a consult with sales. That's the bog standard option, right? Um, and then if you're a service company, a lot of companies will say to me, well, Sam, our services are super bespoke and they're tailored to every company. So we need to have a consult with the, with the, with the prospect first before we give pricing. And I say, well, fair enough, but you've probably got a starting rate, right? And you could probably split those opportunities into two or three tiers, i.e. service A is typically between 10 to 20K. Service B is typically between 20 to 30K. Or if it's super bespoke, then request a consult here. Um, but the beauty of pricing pages is, one, they show transparency. Two, they actually make sure that the prospect has got budget um, to work with you so you can send better leads to sales. But um, a, a thing a lot of companies neglect is they can handle objections. So you can address those common questions that you get on sales calls. So on our sales pages, I quite literally put FAQ section at the bottom saying, why are you so expensive? And then I'll address that. Um, for example, on our SEO pricing page, I'll say, one of my questions is, isn't it quicker to do Google Ads? And then I say, yes, it is. Um, but SEO is going to be evergreen, organic, searchable content. So what are those common questions you get on sales calls? Address them head on. It'll save your sales team time and pain. Um, and if you get common objections raised, again, address those head on, whether that's FAQs at the bottom, maybe a video summary. And then you can whack in some social proof so you can put in some nice customer success stories or videos or testimonials in there. So the pricing page can really enforce and slam home your message and maybe kind of um, convert skeptical prospects into actually taking a call with you because you've been trans transparent. Yeah. I mean, I, I, we jump onto a few websites and we're only a small company ourselves. So whenever a company doesn't have a pricing page, I'm assuming it's going to be really expensive. So uh, <laughs> you, you hop along, but uh, who knows, who knows? Um, and I've seen with some agencies, you know, it's just something very simple, isn't it? You know, we work with clients who have a minimum spend of 5,000 pounds a month. You know, if you're looking for content creation, then, and it falls within your budget, then get in touch. So you are deflecting away those people who, who aren't right for your business. So uh, um, I agree, you know, I think you've got to have a pricing page, but uh, yeah, the theory behind not having one or even worse, I think, as I touched on earlier, the pricing page without actually the pricing on. Getting in touch oh, yeah. for pricing is our well, pricing page. I mean, yeah, that is yeah. just so frustrating. Yeah, yeah, I've argued with a bunch of SaaS and tech uh, CMOs and just said, like, why are you forcing people to, to, to fill out a form? And a lot of the time they tell me, oh, but the leads are still high quality for our sales team. And I, I, I question it back. I literally, quite literally say, well, have your sales team ever said we've had a poor fit lead? And then they'll just go quiet. 
they, they just won't respond. And it's like, well, surely as a sales rep, you don't want to waste kind of 30, 40 minutes on a, pro, on a discovery call only to go through all your questioning to realize they can't afford your offer. And likewise, as a customer, it leaves a bit of a sour taste, doesn't it? If you've gone through like a detailed discovery call, then they ask what your budget is. And it's like, you're, you've got $100 a month and they're saying like the minimum investment's like two grand a month. It's like, well, it's just wasted everyone's time. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So what about from an SEO perspective, I'm sort of slightly moving into that. Um, I guess sort of particularly the, the technical side of SEO then. Mm-hmm. Um, how much should a company be thinking about the 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 structure of a website from an architecture point of view then um you know what sort of things would you say are sort of most impactful from that point of view yeah 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 so it it depends right seo's typically a medium to long term game so when it comes to seo targeting understanding the keywords that you actually want your site to get found for you want to start with bottom of the funnel um so what I mean by bottom of the funnel is search terms where your target clients are typing in where they want to speak to sales or have a sales conversation now. Um, the mistake a lot of companies make is they do random pages, they put out random blog articles, there's no real strategy. And then six, 12 months down the line, they've put out some a few top of funnel blogs actually answering questions. They put out a few pages and they're wondering where all the leads are. Um, so first and foremost, just like you would do with paid search or review sites, those have success. Like when I say review sites, Clutch, G2, Captera, those have um, success because they either capture middle of the funnel, people comparing options, or they capture people when they're searching for your service or solution right now. And SEO should be no different. So when I say bottom of the funnel, I mean things like, I don't know, let's say you provide payroll solution. Um, bottom of the funnel search term might be best payroll solution company or best payroll solution for finance companies or best payroll solution for SaaS companies. So you want to look at what are the what is our ideal customer going to be searching for when they need our offer and what are the main industries that we want to be working with. And then you want to build out offer pages for all those industries. Um, it's the, the simplest starting point of SEO. So once you've got your core pages that I talked about earlier, like your home pages, your about, your service pages, your pricing, your contact, et cetera, just the slimmed down version of a standard B2B site, then you want to start mapping out those offer pages for the main services and products that you offer and get quite niche, like I say, whether that is best X company for Y industry. Build out all of those, cover each offer that you do in each industry. Make sure a quick tip for actually building out those pages is to quite literally Google the keyword, look at the top three organic results, do a quick analysis on them, what's the general word count, what's the general content, um, what's included in there. Perhaps they've got a summary of the problem they fixed. Perhaps they've got some testimonials. And then look for ways that you can one-up their content. Um, Look for ways that you can provide more hands-on expertise on the subject. Perhaps you can answer some common questions that you get on sales calls around it. Perhaps you can layer a bit more social proof. Perhaps you can add some unique statistics. Perhaps you can add a video run-through. So YouTube videos on pages that I've ranked recently have actually really helped. Um, and then, yeah, once you've analyzed those results, build out the page, make it a best in class page in terms of content. Yes. Do technical SEO. So your metadata, your descriptions, your page titles, et cetera. Yes. Make sure the page loads nice and quickly works good on mobile and desktop, um, and has an internal link or two, but then content wise, yeah, look for ways you can one up it, address problems that people are searching for head on, um, 
show hands-on expertise. So to address Google's recent update, EEAT, um, expertise, um, experience, authority, trust. And yeah, build out a long form page that does all that. And on those niche kind of long tail specific search terms, you can quite often get wins within kind of one to three months. I've literally done the same for web choice around a, a bunch of our pages like B2B web development for SaaS, B2B SEO for SaaS. A lot of these pages don't have a ton of traffic, but they'll get a steady, steady trickle of leads and they won't have much competition because not many of our competitors are doing it. So that's one of the first kind of starting points. And then once you've done that bottom of the funnel stuff, then you can kind of work your way up the funnel. So if you're like a SaaS or tech company, you might be doing comparison pages like your company name versus competitor or your company name alternative, building out those alternative pages. And once you've rinsed the middle of the funnel, you might go top of funnel, which is more blog articles like how to do X or best ways to do Y or 10 tips to, to do X or top things to consider before investing in this, you know, those classic questions. But you can also do problems like things that people neglect a lot are problem-based searches. Um, again, this comes back to customer research. A lot of what I say comes back to interviewing your idle clients. So in my case, it might be, why isn't my website converting? Why isn't SEO driving revenue? Um, how long does it take to get page one of Google? What are those questions that you get constantly on sales calls? Build out articles to address it, build out videos to address it. Make content that your customers actually are searching for that has real demand and addresses real pain points. That's oh, superb. It. I mean, you're kind of touching on my next question, actually, which is, you know, you talked about the sort of uh, the the services page and the the sort of product pages themselves, but actually ranking for a particular keyword like, you know, project management software. Um, so essentially, you're talking about building that pillar page that is on the root domain, but then also then surrounding that with supporting content, attacking all these different angles around that particular keyword, but driving the links from those pages all the way back into that product or service page then. Yeah, getting getting niche as possible really with your SEO. So build out a page for each one of those niche long tail searches um, and then work your way up the funnel. Mm -hmm. Yes, you can you'd want to do the generic one as well. So the project management company or project management solution. That's gonna take you a lot longer mm -hmm. to rank. It's gonna be a lot more competitive, as well as just building great content. You can probably need some juicy backlinks. Um, because like I say, it's gonna be a lot more of a competitive term, a lot of other companies gonna be ranking for. But the more generic search terms you can do is more of a longer term play and slowly chip away at. Whereas those more specific, mm. um, uh, more niche down keywords, you can kind of get quicker wins on. Cool. And the biggest question in SEO, how long is it going to take, Sam? Going to get results tomorrow. Um, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's interesting. It, you say that because that's what everybody says in their emails to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll turn extra leads and. Two days or less. No, I mean, <laughs> so I, I can tell you hands on. So I've, for for example, with I've done that strategy that I've just laid out with our own website recently, Web Choice, and I've, I've ranked pages for specific terms. Like some pages I've ranked recently were B2B Marketing Playbook, B2B SaaS Web Development, B2B SaaS SEO Company. And I've done a bunch of others. I got those ranking because I did that strategy I just laid out within 30 days. Bear in mind, our website has some authority. It's not a brand new site. If you're a brand new mm. site, it's going to take a while for your website to get indexed properly. You want a few links. You want to get it get some authority behind it. So it shows you that they can get some mm. quick wins. Typically, for long tail niche keywords, you can get results within three months. Um, mm. When you go like industry specific, but when you get more generic, 
For example, one of our main keywords is web development company. We're page one in kind of UK, EU, and a, a bunch of other countries. That took us kind of years to rank. A lot of backlinks, a lot of content work, etc. Um, so the more generic the search terms are, typically the longer it's going to take. That's when you're talking six to twelve months or so. Um, so that's why you want to be thinking full funnel when you go SEO. Um, what are the quick wins that we can get for buyers searching for our offer specifically now? Let's get those ranking fast. What can we do middle funnel, alternative searches, et cetera? What can we do more generic that we're going to slowly chip away at? Um, and what can we do top of the funnel, blog articles, problem-based searches, question-based searches, et cetera? Um, again, those those blog articles, you can get ranking quite quickly. Mm. And, and you talked a little bit about backlinks then. How do you tend to go about doing backlinks for your clients? Yeah, there's there's a bunch of ways. Um now we like obviously an agency like that ours would handle that for you with our kind of network of trusted links that we can tap into. But that said, if you are a company that wants some free ways to build links, you want to get a bit scrappy. Um one of my favorite I've got I'll share two. I'll share two ways that you can build backlinks for free. One is really good for two ways actually. So one is partnerships. So you want to find companies that are complementary to yourself. So not direct competitors, but complementary companies. So in my case, as a B2B web and SEO company, it might be an analytics company, CRM provider, heat map software provider, those kind of tools, or maybe a LinkedIn ads agency. Um, connect with these guys. If you lose, lose LinkedIn, great. You might have some connections already. Um, hit them up with a nice brief personalized message or send them a video email, whatever you want to do to stand out. And then essentially say, well, look, let's um, thought it might be a good idea to create some content together. Maybe you create a video or you do a podcast episode or you create a blog article, um, create some good content that's going to help each other. In the article, send a link back to one of your target keywords, get them to do the same. Um, it's going to give you a bit of an SEO boost. Not only that, is the partnership could be useful because you're in complementary industries. You probably speak to target clients that can send both ways. So you can probably send leads back to each other, or maybe you've got clients that you already work with that you can send to them. I've grown our business quite well just, just by doing that. So finding complementary companies, not only can we build links together, but we can send work each other's way. Really good long-term relationship builder. Um, the, the second way to build links for free is doing what we're doing now. So podcasts, this is a tip that I share all the time. There's a website called Chartable, chartable.com. All you got to do is go onto that, narrow it down by industries so for example ours might be marketing but there's a bunch of other industries yours might be hr tech whatever click on that you can then view your target country you probably want to hit apple Podcasts because that takes the market share and then you can view the top 50 top 100 ranking podcasts for that niche that industry and your target locations and then what i recommend is click into the podcast episode see who hosts it and drop them a quick personalized invite on linkedin like Hey, Joe, just listened to your episode um, 76 on marketing analytics. Loved the point where you talked about X. Um, I actually would, uh, would you be against me coming on the show to talk about this topic? Um, recently talked, on, talked about on this show. Something short, blunt, to the point. I like to send painfully short messages um, because most, you probably know, Matt, most pitching emails for podcasts are about a wall of text and they never actually get to the point. They just talk about how many awards they've won. Um, so I like to be super simple. Most of the time, people will accept the request if it's simple to the point, talks about how you can help. And then um, 
on the basis you get accepted onto their podcast, do a good show, share some value, share some useful tips, actually give some actionable advice to the audience, and then ask the host to, on the article page that they submit, to do a link back to your site. There you go. You got you got a link back to, to one of your target search terms or to your homepage, wherever you want to send them. Um, and you've also given a good interview that you can then repurpose for social clips, YouTube, podcasts, whatever. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm loving the practical advice. Um, final question then, a sort of slight pivot away from what we've just been talking about. But, you know, you talked about uh, talking to lots of leaders within this sort of space then. You know, apart from having a good website, apart from working on SEO then, if you're a, well, you are a B2B tech, you know, you are a B2B business owner. What other tactics are you doing right now, which is helping you sort of grow, helping you generate more leads uh, that could perhaps help people? Tons. Um, so we've got seven or eight channels we use to to drive inbound or drive clients. So like you say, SEO is, is our number one source of inbound. But after that, what have we got? We've got paid ads. So what for us, what works quite well is probably our second or third performing channel is, in our case, paid review sites. Paid review sites are so annoying, Matt, because they rank so well. Um, so when I say that, I mean aggregators like G2, Capterra, in our case, we use Clutch. Literally, you search for like best service company, best X agency, best, I don't know, CRM tool. You're going to see G2. You're going to see Capterra. You're going to see Trust Radar, the usual suspects. Thing is, these are good because you can literally pay for a sponsorship on them and then you're top of their rankings. Because they've got so much content on their site, they rank exceptionally well on organic search and they just make money like easily um, because they get tons of companies and tons of tech and software companies paying them. They're quite a good way to get traffic and leads. Um, that's a good way. If you haven't explored them, I recommend them. Um, in many industries, it can actually be better and more cost efficient than Google Ads. Um, LinkedIn content. LinkedIn's probably our second or third best performing channel. Just literally the organic content that I put out on there. I just share daily tips on B2B website, SEO and what we're running. Um, partnerships, I've already talked about that. They're really good, quick, free way to get leads and build relationships with target companies, get inbound. Um, podcast, start your own podcast if you can, or if you've got a thought leader in your company, because then there's a couple of ways that podcasts can drive inbound. You can show thought leadership if you do solo episodes to show you're a subject matter expert, um, drive inbound that way. Or you can do what I do and kind of interview target clients, whether that's like my case, VPs of marketing, CMOs, etc. And when you invite for people for your for your podcast, you'll find 95% of people accept because naturally as humans, we like talking about ourselves and how great we are. So uh, most people are going to accept your podcast invite and it's a great way to learn, steal ideas from people smarter than yourself and build relationships and drive inbound. Um, what else? That's a fair few. I also do an email list. So starting your own email list. The thing with LinkedIn is if you rely on social media, it's almost rented land. So having channels that you own, whether that is SEO and your website content, your podcast, YouTube channel, email list, you're essentially building out multiple channels, multiple lines in the water, multiple assets that you have control over. So if one of these channels takes a hit, you've got others to rely on to drive inbound, to build brand awareness, build positioning. What else have we got? Um, aside from that, we run experiments. So most months we will experiment with a new channel, whether it's cold outreach, cold email, cold calling, different new like right now we're experimenting with linkedin ads so i've just built out a load of funky linkedin ads with videos and 
utilized my own LinkedIn posts and done done some different stuff, worked with Justin Rowe Impactable, um, who's one of our partners. So um yeah, that that's a few ways that people can try and if they've got questions, just message me on LinkedIn. Awesome. And it, and, it, and you don't need to be spending hundreds of thousands of pounds to do this sort of stuff. Not at all. Like LinkedIn content is free. You just got to, the, the thing about that is just getting started and then talking about kind of something you're passionate about ideally that relates to your business, your offer, um, and then getting consistent with it and then going from there. Podcasting is much the same. Email list is much the same. Most of these tools you can start for free or, or a few quid or a few mm-hmm. dollars a month doesn't have to break the bank and same with partnerships like a lot of it is more grunt work than dollar work you see what i mean i do i do well look, it's been great talking to you sam what i particularly liked about this conversation is that you're the coal face yourself you know you're a business owner you're doing your own marketing you're doing the selling so it's been fantastic to hear some of these practical examples and you know a lot of our customers are ultimately driving traffic to those websites so they are absolutely crucial so hearing you discuss about best practices has been fantastic so thank you very much for giving up your time and and sharing your knowledge no worries matt cheers for having me on and there you have it i hope you found this episode of use as always if you did a quick rating or review on your podcast channel of choice is much appreciated and for more free resources or whenever you're ready to apply to work with me visit samdunning.org.